Thanks, Naaman. All right. Um, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. Uh, I, really, I really enjoy it because ah, Jesus impacts every level of society. And there's, there's nothing that he won't touch and transform for us. And we, we, really, we really need to have that because um, for too long, Christians have been looked on as pathetic and weak when we have the strongest force in the universe which enables us to do the impossible. You know, Wilbur, William Wilberforce was the one who stood up against slavery in the UK. And he was a Christian. And he stood up in the face of persecution, being exiled, thrown out of um, all of his position and status in society. He had such a backbone. Why? Because of Jesus. Because he knew that's not right. And so Christ helps us to stand. Now, um, let's expand practically on how to bring God's wisdom into business. Because that's really what we're talking about. This wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of God, which enables us to operate at a higher level. It's like saying, hey, you know, if you were to compare yourself to someone who did an MBA from Princeton and you went head to head, they've got so much knowledge and study that you don't have that in the natural, they're surely going to win out, right? I mean, the logic's there for all of us. It's like, mm, that's logical. We're not going to win against someone who's got better study, better networking, and better connection. Now, you're connected to the one in whom is all wisdom, knowledge, study, understanding, and is connected to way more people. So if you just think about it, the Jesus advantage is so powerful. I tell my children often that I cheat in life. And they, they're like, how do you cheat, Dad? Or I say I hack in life. Because, you know, they, they, they play computer games and there's hackers on the computer games who are just operating on a completely different level. So to make it understandable for them, I say, hey, I'm like a hacker in business. And they're like, what do you mean, Dad? And I'm like, I have Jesus inside of me, which enables me to operate at a level superior to anyone else around me and thereby gain success. That's what we're talking about. And, and it's not just because I'm me. It's because of Jesus in me. You could take any human body and substitute it. Because of Jesus in you, that gives you the superiority. Now, we haven't always operated in that way because no one told us. I don't know if, 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 how, how long everyone's been a Christian for, but 10 years ago, healing and Christian, Christianity was really a... You know, a very isolated sort of thing to big evangelists. Nowadays, I think everyone at least accepts we can all do this, you know. And in business, I'm hoping that today you can start that journey of accepting and putting into practice that you can do this. You can do this. You can co-labor with the Holy Spirit and produce fruit that lasts. Jesus said we will do greater works than him. I'm 99% sure we can't do greater miracles than him because they were top-notch. We can do the same miracles as him, but we can't. So it's not in the miraculous healings that we're doing greater works. But Jesus was not a businessman. You are. You can do a greater work in business than Jesus. 
And that's what he said he wanted for us. So that's John 14. All right. Um, I want to share the process, a testimony which illustrates the ongoing process of working with the Holy Spirit. I do not want anyone to come to the wrong conclusion that God is downloading an entire plan of five years in a few minutes to me and then I'm just working that plan out. That's, uh, that's possible, I'm sure, but I think for most of us we'll find it looks something different. So we had a specific client and it was around the customer satisfaction data and social media data and they were saying, hey, there's a lot of topics in here, there's a lot of value that we can get from it. You guys are not analyzing it. You're, you're, you're working with it, you're collecting it, but you're not analyzing it. We're going to go to a third party and we're going to remove part of the contract unless you solve that. So I'm like, mm, okay, that sounds like a good problem to solve. Simultaneously, our global product offering on that particular thing of analyzing this data was quite pure, poor. So we couldn't just go to it. It wouldn't solve the problem for us. So I thought, okay, again, you have that thing inside of you. You can do this. I thought, okay, let's develop a system whereby we can process all of that unstructured data into something structured and, and drive things forward. And at this point in time, I think I was head of North Europe product. So there were about 250 people that I'm leading, and it, it was a hundred million pounds budget. Yeah, hundred million pounds budget. So all of that is going on. And again, I'm just like, yeah, let's take this on. <laughs> I love innovating, so in a way, it's like, yay, chance to innovate. Now, the first thing I did was I went to the Holy Spirit, and I asked Him for ideas on how we can solve this. Now, maybe you guys are better than me, but sometimes I get ideas that are from God and sometimes not. The only way really to tell is to try it and to see when I'm doing it, what that witness is like in my heart. So we're not even asking you to go on faith here. We're just saying as you walk out life, you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you like, yeah, this is good, this is not good. You're aware of that. So I start some of the ideas. And basically he leads me to, uh, I suppose Brad would appreciate some of the detail, but very briefly, using the, the human's visual cortex, which computers cannot match. Like the way our brains see and interpret information, even with computer vision, it's nowhere near what a person does. That's why autonomous driving is such a hard problem. So he leads me to bring in the human cortex along with mathematical rigor that the machine can do, combining those two concepts into what's called augmented intelligence, and then in that way was able to process and extract all of the information from there. That tool was so successful that it actually lived on in the business and took over the global products role. I didn't build it in a day. The first few times I tried, I made baby steps. And then at some points, I might have been like, God, I'm really hitting a wall. I don't know what to do. And he's like, okay, search for this specific algorithm, TNS. You know? And so I searched for that specific algorithm. And it's a stochastic-based modeling method, which helps you to understand stuff and it really helped and then I was like I need something else and then he was like okay the other thing you need to do is you need to create a feedback loop in the system so that as the humans interacting with the system the machine is learning and then 
um, you, you can then take the machine's estimates, apply it to all the data, and then the human can check it, and this whole cycle just goes. Long before that was happening in the world, that's what Jesus told me. That, it was like literally one of the first products. I had not seen a commercial product doing that before. So, I started off with something, got a little bit of success, keep praying, keep talking, move one step forward. Keep praying, keep talking, move one step forward. I, I really want to illustrate that because... To think that I get a whole algorithm and, uh, I don't know, 30,000 lines of code or a whole digital transformation plan for a company where a thousand people all need to be from one conversation with Jesus is the, the wrong, uh, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is you can sit with God and work through this with Him. Just as if you were a, a junior and you were sitting with a senior, and you said to the senior, I know you've solved this before. Give me some hints and tips. Help me understand. What do I need to focus on? What do I need to watch out for? That's the type of conversation I'm having with Jesus. So again, the foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. It's because of the fullness of the Godhead who loved us, that was crucified, reconciled us to Him, and now lives in us, that we have this power. So, so it's all on the effort of the cross. W which is why when something goes wrong in our business, we shouldn't go and ask the question, oh, are you, are you, um, you, you know, if you put your hand against me, God, uh, am I cursed? So, so I just want to dispel that because some Christian business speaks about cursing and blessing. You know, if the fullness of the Godhead, all of God, was crucified, that, that's equivalent to saying, I put my heart, mind, and soul, and body on the line to get something done. That's what God did for us. He put His entire being on the line to reconcile us to Him. Something dumb we do in business is not going to lead Him to then go, mm -mm. It's just, it's inferior. It's so inferior, you, you can't undo the work of the cross. So that's really important because we just have to hit that thing of blessing and cursing. The other thing I want to say in chatting to some people on the break made it clear. I'm not saying don't give. I'm saying don't give to get. Yeah. Giving is great. And, and giving is a wonderful fruit that brings a massive joy. But it's not going to prosper your business. Okay, let's just be clear. You, 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 you can give as much as you want just because you love the cause you're giving to. That's the right reason to give. Like Paul said, 1 Corinthians 13, love. You just give because you love it. You, you, see, you see babies who are orphaned and someone's got a home that takes them in and you think that's a great thing and so you give to it. You know? That, it's, it's important. So I'm not, I'm not, please don't read what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is don't work a spiritual principle for success. Christ is your success. But giving is something we do to help others. And in your business, you might need to give to your employees to help them. You might need to give someone a break. You might need to give a young person a break because they have struggled. You might need to give a criminal a break because no one else will give them a job. But you will. Now you do all of that, not for the blessing of God, but to make society better. 
you see why we do it? Christ's work on the cross moves us from a position of I'm not there to I am there. So now what do I do? Well, now I do the works of Christ everywhere. That's the change that took place. So, um, habit number one. So there's six habits. I thought about making seven because seven's God's number, and then I was just like, ah, whatever. So, habit number one, co-creation time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus thinking about your business. This could be your specific role if you're an employee or your whole business if you're an employer. You know, I, I know there's, there's both here. Or some specific goal, but give time to it. Sometimes I put worship music on, but I sit there chatting to him out loud like I would my wife or a good friend. Re- really, that's, this is so practical. Like, it's literally that. <laughs> that sounds dumb when you say it out loud in front of people. But it's not. How else do you expect God to speak to you unless you speak to Him? Now, we could call that prayer, but prayer conjures up all sorts of dumb ideas of us on our knees with our hands in a certain way to, 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 to try and convince Him to help us. And remember, what I've said to you is Christ is in you. He's convinced of your life already. You're not trying to get God helping you. You're operating from the premise that He is going to help you. So you ask Him the question, knowing that He will answer you. That, that's, that's, that's really important. Then I feel impressions on my heart, and I always have a notepad ready. And I just start writing. And then once I've written it down, whatever's in my mind and my heart, some of that's going to be me, some of that's going to be God. I will read it back to Him. And I will say, Jesus, this is what I think we've been talking about. <laughs> Sometimes he's like, no, we haven't been talking about that. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> but most often he's like, okay, that's really good. Adjust this point, adjust that point. Now, these days, because I've been doing this for, I don't know, seven to ten years, it literally is like that. Adjust this point, adjust that point, the rest is fine. Like, that's how I hear God now. You can hear God like that. That's not a gift. The Christ is the gift in you. If He lives in you, you should hear His voice in your head. You're sharing the same space. He's, you know, I was going to say He's renting room inside of you, but that's not right. You're renting room inside of His body because you gave it up and you're dead. So I then read it back to Holy Spirit. And we do this several times because it's a collaboration. Most of us fail in hearing God's voice because we think that it's this stream from heaven and we just got to write it down perfectly. It's too much pressure for your mind to handle and so you just give up before you start. Rather, accept this. Accept that when God gave you the instructions and the wisdom, He already knew you were going to make mistakes. And He is already compensating for the mistakes that you would make because He's God and He's smart. Just like I give my kids, less these days, but still, plastic cups, if they see this, plastic cups, because it is almost a certainty one of them will bump or drop the thing. 
So I pre-plan how I'm going to behave with them. How much more our loving Father pre-plans for our weaknesses. Even, dare I say, our weakness or frailty in faith. You know, faith is not a God. God is God, just to be clear. <laughs> you can't resurrect an idol of faith that if you don't have that idol called faith, that now God can't do anything. You know, long before any of us were ever on this planet, Jesus was doing stuff. You know, he was actually crucified before we believed in him. <laughs> so, so let's not make an idol out of faith. It's, it's, it's helpful. Trust him at his word and, and do it. So what I say is start in the natural and just write and I, I just write and say what I know and I listen for the reflection of God in my thoughts. That's it. That's, that's number one. Habit number one. I do that quite a lot. When I, when I was starting my business, my, which was in the middle of COVID, I felt God say, leave your nice high-paying director role, management consultancy, and do your own thing. And I was like, yeah, I agree, because if I'm honest, I don't like the culture, and it's difficult to be here. We're, we're a different species, really. Um, and so, in the middle of COVID, uh, I resigned, I think, what was it, October 2020, so I think like when one of the peaks, we were just going into a peak in the UK, because that's our aut uh, yeah, autumn coming on winter. Resigned, they were like, hmm, okay, not happy, but whatever, work your three months, contractual period, and then January, um, I'm on my own. And then so I'm sitting with God with this business idea and I'm talking to him and I'm like, okay, what must I do? And I know, sales funnel, leads in the top, conversion out the bottom, you know, if you like that way of thinking. And, and I know this. And God says to me, hmm, I like your plan. The product is great. Go with the product. Like that, that, that is good. Your sales plan, I don't like it. I'm going to sell for you. Just play PlayStation or something. And I was like, mm, really, Jesus, this is, this is so hard. I'm, I like, feel myself getting up out the grave. And, because we're dead. And uh, anyway, I, I said to my wife, babe, you need to pray. And you need, you, you know, because we're doing this business thing, we're doing it together. And you need to just, like, whatever you get from Jesus, just tell me. Because <laughs> I don't think I'm hearing him right now. <laughs> Because who doesn't sell a new business, right? Yeah. That's insane. And, and this, th this is why the wisdom of God is specific for you in the moment that you're living, yeah. in the context you're in, for the problem you're solving. Which is why profusely reading everyone's books or going to every talk that you can go to <laughs> is not the answer. Hopefully I'm teaching you about Christ and co-laboring with Christ and the wisdom that comes from him, that he is the fountain of wisdom, all wisdom is in him. But what God tells me might not be applicable for you. And the way that I need to execute to solve a problem might not be the way that you need to execute for a problem. Um, so unless the Spirit of God gives me a word of wisdom for you and for your circumstance, honestly, it shouldn't be preaching to you. You know? Pre preaching in that way. It's like preachy, more like it. So, I'm doing this. And God gives her a vision of saying, Brad, don't worry about it. So what I saw is I saw these trains coming and going and people were getting on and off the train and, and you, you were the train, you were taking them somewhere and then you would move their whole business and they would get on and you would move their whole business and they would get off. 
So it's, it speaks to this transformation innovation thing. And I was like, that's great. So that's a product confirmed. And then she said, oh, I said to Jesus, but Brad's not really a sales guy. Because <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm more like, I've done more managing director, more CEO, more innovation than I have sales. I've never been a chief revenue officer. Okay? And Jesus says to her, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I haven't told her anything. She comes to me and says that. I'm like, okay. Then I'm playing PlayStation. She's like, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got the product sorted out. If anyone wants to buy something, we're there. Uh, I'm going to chill out. <laughs> so I had an awesome three months doing nothing. And the other thing she said is, oh, in March, you're going to start selling. So I was like, cool. So I just chill out. Had fun with my kids. Uh, I actually got really good at Fortnite. And um, I'm at peace. And I'm resting. And then March comes. And people start phoning me. And they're like, hey, Brad, we heard that you were doing this. And we want you to, to you know, what are you doing? And can we, can we connect? And from there, I started to get sales. And it self-perpetuates. So, Jesus? Because <laughs> that wasn't me. That really wasn't me. So that's, that's what I mean. We go through the plan and we iterate and we talk about the plan. Because I don't just assume that I've got the stream from God the first time. I'm working it through with Him. I'm asking for His advice. It's like someone is talking about something really important. And you write the best notes you can. And then afterwards you sit with them and you go through those notes. That's what I'm talking about. That's habit number one. And habit, so that's, that's, that's the pre-planning. Um, or the co-creation time with Jesus. Habit number two is trusting that he will help me in the moment. And this is really, really important because remember, this is about us performing at a supernaturally high level in business where what we say and do exceeds the natural. In other words, we all seem like we're these super Princeton, Harvard postgrads who've had 50 years of experience because like, I, I don't know, anyone who is a postgrad from Princeton or Harvard, sorry, but... Like when you just graduate, you don't know much. <laughs> As with anything, you know, you don't. You've got a lot of theory, no practice, and it's obvious to everyone who's got a lot of practice. So, I trust him in the moment. And I'm like, Father, I want to do this with you. That's what's in my heart. I want to co-labor with you, Holy Spirit. You said you're the co-laborer. You said you're the parakletos, that word in Greek, the one who comes alongside. I want that. I want to do this with you. You're the most exciting person I know. He really is. I don't know anyone else who is as awesome as Jesus. I don't. I've met some fantastic people. Even my wife, she is beautiful. My children are wonderful. There is no one like Jesus. And he's real. He is real. He's so tangible that, like when we were in Matuba Tuba, I'd put my hand on someone. He'd put his hand on someone. I don't have miraculous power, but they would be healed. That's how real he is, that he can affect physical situations. I didn't know that much on artificial intelligence, but he's trained me and given me a, a mindset and a view of AR that I'm now sharing things that are beyond what a lot of people can see and think on AR. Where its limitations are, where it's going, what the trend and trajectory is, how this gets implemented in business, what's practical AR, uh, decision intelligence, all these things that God has invented 
and, and is channeling through my mind to make our world a better place. Um, so he's the smartest person I know. He's the, lo- he's the most loving person I know. So you can go on and on and on. So I really want to do life with him. It's, he is my best friend. Why would, if, think about it. If your best friend could be with you at work and you're not going to fight, it's not going to end in like the end of your friendship type thing, like some best friend things happen. It's just going to get better and better and you're going to have more and more fun. Would you not want to work with your best friend? That's what he is. So anyway, we bring, that's why I'm like, so be with me. I don't want to do this alone. I really don't. I don't want to rely on my gray matter. I, I really enjoy working with you. I love your ideas. So during meetings, I'm listening for the problems that need to be solved. That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm listening to everyone else talk, and I'm listening for the problems that need to be solved. And when I hear a problem, I then do that thing in my heart where I'm listening here, but I'm talking to my, my best friend. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, they got a problem with uh, certain people in the organization. You know, maybe it's a cultural problem. What's at the root of that? What's driving that? Ah, okay. I understand what's driving that. And then I can just share it with them and say, guys, have we thought about this? What if the reason why this certain group in the business is struggling because of ABC? And I sound really smart, but I'm not. It's Jesus. I'm sure I could try and apply my mind, and I'm sure I could try and think of things. But at the end of the day, this is Jesus. This is why I said at the beginning, this is not a business course that you can do if you're not a Christian. This does not work for non-Christians. This is exclusively for Christians. So that, that's, that's co-labor. So I'm not just thinking with my head, but I'm chatting to the Holy Spirit, I'm chatting to Jesus, and I'm deliberately engaging Him while I'm in the business meeting. That's why I said praying after hours was my problem. I needed to just make it Always. You you know, many of you chat to me or connect with me. Believe it or not, I'm doing exactly the same thing when I'm talking to you. I'm listening for the voice of God for your life, for your problem, for what you're sharing with me. So that what comes out my mouth is Him, not me. Because my wisdom is great for me, but His wisdom is great for you. So, um, this is really what co-laboring is. It's treating Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, just like a person you can see, touch, and speak to. Instead of using your brain only, you use your mind to engage the Lord. And just like a respected advisor, I humbly come to him and share the situations and ask for help in the moment. There have been so many calls where he's just alerted to me. Now, the, in particular, with, when you get with technical stuff, is huge one-upmanship. So if you're coming in as an outsider, trying to show a technical solution to a team that has worked on it for three years, you can imagine how happy they are. Because the CEO is very happy. He's like, oh, I'd like to introduce this guy, Brad. He knows how to solve our problem. And the CTO is like, oh, really? And you need the Spirit of God to discern hearts so that you can navigate that so you can still bring the wisdom of God and undo all the threat that's going on. And he's brilliant at it. Okay. So, if you're a business owner, you might look at it and you say, okay, from time to time I do a strengths, weaknesses, opportunity, and threats. What, right? And I suppose you could, and it's fair enough that you start putting this down on paper. But what I really like to do 
is I like to say to the Holy Spirit, what do you want to say about the business? You can see the theme. It's repeating itself. I'm just applying this in different circumstances. So I say to the Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom and insight looking over this company. So for me, I'm, I'm looking into other people's companies, but for you, you can look into your own company or the company you're working for, your department. And what I will do is I'll either look I'll, in my head. So, so everyone just picture a green apple. Can you see the green apple? Right? That's where God gives you pictures, right there, in your imagination. That's why he made it. He didn't make your imagination so you could imagine your life away or so that you could imagine some... Uh, less than optimal stuff. He gave you imagination so that he could show you pictures. That's why he gave it to you. So I say, Holy Spirit, okay, I'm going to look over the wall, and when I peek over the wall, I'm going to see a whole lot of stuff, and whatever I see, we're going to start to talk about. And you're going to get me insight about the business. I hope what is coming through is that this is not me sitting just waiting for Jesus. I am active. I am taking him at his word where he said, the measure you use is the measure I'll give you. So how much we want to engage the Holy Spirit in our lives is how much he'll engage in our lives. So, so be active. It's the beautiful thing about grace. Grace pulls off all performance, puts you in a position of success, and says, how do you want to live now? And, and you can choose. Well, I'm just going to play PlayStation all the time. And Jesus loves you the same. Or you can say, you know what, let's change the world together. And I need hundreds of millions to do it. And he's like, cool, we'll do it. That's it. He's not going to say no. He said, ask and you will receive. Is he a liar? No. He's not a liar. So if you ask for hundreds of millions to change the world, do you think he's going to give it to you? Yes. How does he give it to you? He gives it to you through what I'm describing now, co-laboring with the Holy Spirit. You don't just walk outside and see these briefcases and 100 million. I think the whole street is going to have briefcases. That doesn't happen. He, he uses you. And he answers the prayer often through people, through you, where, where you bring the kingdom. You are the carrier of the Holy Spirit to the world. You are the answer. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory is when the Father speaks well of you. That, that's, Christ in you is the answer to the Father speaking well of you. Isn't that beautiful? Which means I have absolutely no reason to do anything other than love. Because he'll take care of me anyway. So, with, uh, I'd say to the Holy Spirit, okay, I need your wisdom and insights, I'll look over a wall, or perhaps I'll take something out of a bag, an imaginary bag. So everyone just picture a brown paper bag and take something out, okay? You may have all just seen an object, all right? Okay, I do that with business. So I pull something out and, and I just say, fill my imagination. A picture, and I'm going to picture what's going on, and you're going to speak a story about the business to me and show me the good, the bad, the ugly, and what needs fixing. That's it. Like, I'm, I'm, literally, I'm literally telling God how I want Him to respond to me. Now, unless you are secure in the righteousness of Christ, which surpasses that of the law, you will be like, who can tell God what to do? Who can tell God what to do? The righteous. Why? Because the greatest amongst you will be the servant. 
So what do you think God does for us? He serves us. Why? Because he's the greatest. Yes, I hope that's not rocking too many boats. <laughs> but I tell God exactly, I am going to do this, and then you are going to do that. Some people get offended at that. How can you command God what to do? Well, very simply, I'm dead. It's probably the Holy Spirit in me asking God to do it. But nonetheless, <laughs> I feel bold because the righteous are as bold as a lion. Righteousness is not given to you just so that when you mess up, your conscience is clear. Righteousness is given to you so that you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. Hallelujah. You are different. You can speak to God differently. My sons sometimes phone me up. Dad, approve that in-app purchase. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And they're like, it's my money. You gave it to me. I can spend it however I want. Okay. Right? That's, that, this is it. It's very real. So, an example of this. Recently, uh, a picture for a business, they, they asked me to work for them and to do some stuff. And what I saw was a picture of a map, picture classic treasure hunt map here. And then I saw a puddle with a pig in it. Then I saw myself grabbing the pig and carrying it out of the mud and climbing up a ladder onto an aircraft carrier. Right? This is, this is fun, right? <laughs> then I thought to myself, well, what happens if I put the pig down? And you know what the pig did? Ran back to the mud. And I was like, that's interesting. And then I like pick the pig up and we go climb up the ladder again. And I said to the Holy Spirit, okay, let's chat about this, this picture. This is fun, but tell me about this picture. And he says, number one, the business itself is stuck in the mud. However, they're in a category which is booming, hence the treasure map. I will have to get my hands dirty and I will have to work in a very hands-on way to drive change. There is going to require there is going to require a significant movement within them, and it's not a simple change for the business. If I stop too early because of the habits and practices that are in the business already, the way that they are used to doing the business, and all those things will simply return and the progress will be lost. The key to climbing the ladder um, is really that I will need to hold their hands and it will require some quite significant effort for me. During this time, they will be building discipline and getting stronger until they are on new ground, formed new habits and practices. So I know exactly where to focus. I need to focus on the habits and practices of this business because that's what's causing them to go back to the mud every time. You can pay people a lot of money and they will never find that out. Or you can ask Jesus. Okay, so that's, that's practically what I mean. That's exactly, there we go. Habit number four, seeking wisdom before committing to something. Oh my, some of us have been. Number three, what, oh, did I leave three out? Uh, okay, so number one, co-creating time with Jesus. Number two, trusting he will help me in the moment. These really don't matter. It's the same thing over and over, just different concepts. <laughs> Habit number three, planning together. Um, habit number four, seeking wisdom before committing. So this is another application of it. Um, in some exercises of life, we have multiple options, right? And, and I'm not talking about the multiple choice exam that we're, we're, we're writing, although this does work for that, but don't worry. What I'm saying is, Father, if I hire this person, are they going to add value? 
I've got candidate A, or I have candidate B. Now, I'm conscious that it's not just a business, it's not just a job, I'm conscious lives are in the balance. I'm also conscious that God has a plan and a purpose for each of these people. And so I say, give me a picture about person A. Give me a picture about person B. What will person A be like in the business? What will person B be like in the business? And so in terms of hiring people, in terms of hiring uh, uh, suppliers, in terms of choosing locations, renting things, anything you're going to commit where you have multiple options, take it before the Lord. Ask Him to show you a picture which describes these dynamic situations like I just described on the business for that specific thing. Why make a decision without Jesus? Like, I, we've all made decisions without Jesus. Some are good, some are bad. But remember, a successful business is about this consistently high level of execution. In a business, if we only get it right half the time, things are kind of like random as to whether it's going to succeed or not. Whereas if you're getting it right 80, 90, 95, I dare I say 100% of the time, and you're working for a company, how do they not promote you? Honestly, unless you say no, they are looking to promote you. In your own business, if you're executing like that with your products, with your people, with your leadership team, with your plans, your processes, your systems, seriously, this creates strong businesses. So you need to take it before the Lord. The, you know, these guys are going to make an app for us or those guys are going to make an app for us. Okay, Lord. I'm not saying which one. I'm not saying, God, there's option A and option B. And I'm just looking for an A or a B. And I pull it out the bag and I get a C. Ah, oh, what does that mean, Jesus? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, use your brain and use your relationship with Jesus. Option A, and he'll give you a picture. Option B, and he'll give you a picture. And those pictures contain his wisdom for that circumstance. Does that make sense? hope that clarifies something. So, I do want to have, oh, this is a little note, this is quite important. Sometimes... You feel like you can't hear God. You're not in the right place, inverted commas. And I feel like, and it really is only a feeling, I'm not in a place to receive this wisdom right now. I can't hear God. You know, that dog that attacked me when I was running got a real kick, and I feel bad about it. Even worse, maybe I shouted at my children. Um, the last thing I did was bad. Uh, I keep slipping up in a certain sin and I'm feeling condemned and you're like now I'm living this Christianity and I'm living this life that I'm building on the wisdom of God the now wisdom of God and I feel this way I'm cut off I feel like I'm cut off you know what I do? such a, such a glorious thing such a glorious thing I focus on Christ's work on the cross. The sufficiency of the cross. How he died so completely to sort everything out. And he rose from the dead. And honestly, after about two or three minutes on focusing on the sufficiency of the cross, that strange condemnation has left. <laughs> the gap, perceived gap between me and Jesus is gone. And I remember that I'm a new creation, and He lives in me. 
So if you ever feel condemned as a Christian, if you ever feel distant, if you ever feel that you cannot place a demand on God and know with a certainty that He's going to answer you, go back to the cross. That's it. Go back to the cross because He won it on the cross. And now we live in it, which is so beautiful. Okay, number five. This one's fun. Praying in tongues and interpreting. I really like this. I call this dealing with unknown unknowns. This is actually how I heard God speak to me and say, quit your job. So I would just walk, uh, there's a walk, a specific walk I do in our area. It's about four Ks. So I get 35, 40 minutes with Jesus. I do it first thing in the morning and I just love it. Even in the snow, I do it. Because I, I just love this time with Jesus. I don't want to give it up for anything. You, like even when it's snowing and it's slippery and you're like, oh, Jesus, I think I'm going to end up falling. Praise you for healing, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, I might be worried. And that's a real thought that goes through my head, by the way. <laughs> and um, I'm just praying. Sometimes I just pray in tongues because there's no one around. Let's be honest. I have done this. When you pray in tongues and the other people around, they look at you funny. <laughs> and you kind of feel like, Jesus, I don't know. Like, in the UK, it's actually okay. Because, yeah, you know, I can go like this. Uh, I, I put my little AirPod thing in my ear, and then I'm like, and they think I'm talking on the phone to someone. I'm just getting in my time with Jesus. So that's okay. I believe that's okay because in, in the UK, well, in London specifically, you will hear people talking like that all the time. And you're just like, Mah. they're talking to their mate and they're from some foreign place because the place I live is very culturally diverse. All right? So it's fine. But here, you're walking down the street and you're like, hmm. I don't know. They probably know that I'm not speaking somewhere. Or maybe it's too foreign or it looks weird or different. So maybe I'm just self-conscious. But I like that stretch of road because there's no one around. So I just go for it and I can be as loud as I want. Sometimes I sing songs to Jesus outside. Places in the UK are small, so you like get cramped in. You can get outside. So I'll just do that and then I'll interpret. And I'll just be like, okay, Jesus, you said we can interpret tongues. I have been speaking mysteries in my spirit. I want to know what I was talking about. And he tells me. Starts off slow. Sometimes it comes in the form of a picture. So sometimes while I'm praying in tongues, a picture comes to my mind. Like uh, breaking waves. Sometimes what comes to your mind is that success is the right problem being solved to the right level. An acceptable quality level because that, that's actually an interpretation of tongues that one that's why I said the Holy Spirit was bugging me about it because I was trying to pray in tongues he was interpreting it the whole time which is which is good I love him <laughs> he loves me um, anyway you start to see you, you might hear something you might feel an impression on your heart you might see pictures and then I will speak it out in English and I will do that same process we spoke about in habit number one where I will speak it out and then I will see when I'm speaking it out, does that make sense? And then sometimes he will go, yeah, you know what, that first part was good, that second part's just you. And I'll be like, great, let's just delete. So I'll walk with my phone. I, I actually have, wow, endless pages. I'm not sure I'll ever get back to it, of prophecy and wisdom from God. 
So much so that I started to develop anxiety about it. Because God has spoken, right? And then he said this thing to me. It was so beautiful. He said, Brad, I am a fountain of wisdom. It will keep coming. Don't worry. Then he just all the anxiety drifted off. Because you know why? God is infinite. I am so not infinite. And you're trying to write the infinite down. It's, it's a fool's errand. You'll never win. You, you, you're like, okay, God, what's next? He'll give you something next. And it'll just never end. You could write books. Anyway, so pray in tongues, interpret. Don't feel a pressure. But the reason I write it down is so that I can repeat it back to him and I can edit it. So we go through a, pra- a process of creation and then editing. And, and I just place the demand on God. God, this is how we're going to do it. And this is what's going to work. And you know what? It works. Just like for some with healing, you say, you know what? I'm going to say the word hot dog. And when I say hot dog, your leg's going to grow out. And you know what? Their leg grows out. Because you've determined, you've made the standard. You've said this is, this is how it's going to work. And God honors that. Because honestly, we're his children. He loves us. And he's like, ah, the kids are playing again. So we'll end off with habit number six, which is leadership. And it's really about reading hearts by the Holy Spirit. So whenever I'm speaking to people, and it's not a, it's definitely now no one's going to talk to me, or you are going to talk to me, but um, the point is, whenever I'm speaking to people, I'm just reading hearts. That's what I'm doing. I'm listening, and what I mean by reading hearts is, I'm listening to you, I'm trying to understand where you're at, I'm trying to understand where your life has been without you telling me, but the Holy Spirit's telling me, and I'm trying to understand where your life is going. Because into that context, you can bring wisdom. Because unless you understand where someone's been, where they are, and where they're going, how on earth can you share something useful? That's what I think. I don't know. Like, look, if we're shooting the breeze, we're shooting the breeze. But if we're having a serious conversation, like often happens in church, these things can get intense, then this approach is helpful. So I'm looking, you know, uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says that man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So God already sees their heart. He knows their sincerity. He knows their love. He also knows where the devil is trying to mislead them, where he is trying to lead them astray. And you can bring a timely word into their life just by sharing. And you don't even, you don't even call it prophecy, but it is prophecy. That's what the Bible says, prophecy, encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. Well, you know, the Old Testament prophets prophesied about Jesus, and we encourage, exhort, and comfort people back to Jesus. It's because it's all about Jesus. All right. So, and that's, uh, yeah, that's it. I think let's close with one last example. Um, I was praying to God about two different jobs. And he said, Company X is like a fun fair on a rainy day. You really want to go. This is, you know, saying this to me. You really want to go there. But... When you get there, half the rides are closed, it's wet and it's cold, it's not very pleasant. You make the most of it because you have spent money to get there, but really you regret it, uh, having pushed go, you regret having pushed for it. You can, ta- you can take care of your family with it, but it is a bit dark and it is not the fun everyone promised. When the lightning strikes, I see a big bear standing up and it's scary, like the horror part of the fun fair. Something to avoid. But this is... Uh, I've got to leave some parts out because it's like a bit revealing for them. Uh, for the leaders. When 
the pressure is on. They become like these scary things, which is true for some companies. And they are pushing everyone to make sales and using fear to do it. Your shoes are wet and filled with muddy water. It is humiliating. And it is bad for one's self-confidence and you feel like you are not capable. It is a continuous killjoy. You can see, I still joined this company, by the way. It is a continuous correction of what good looks like. You could persevere at this and own your own fun store. This is what the businesses are and why you can visit some on a rainy day, some are open, some are closed. But there are no opportunities for you. Yes, there, will, there are and there will be times of fun. It is a fun fair. But it is always in the rain and at someone else's stalls. You know those, those fun fair stalls. They are reaping the rewards and benefit. This is how the system works. They need the juniors to come in to their stalls and get involved, giving more than what they're able to make so that it is profitable. You will need to make juniors uh, work in this way to make your thing profitable. It will always be a fun fair in the rain with the setup and takedown of the rides in the rain with certain parts um, you would like to go to, but they are closed to you. And you know what? He was 100% correct. <laughs> so that's the level of detail he can give you. The IQ side, the EQ side. Go to him. So we bring it all together in a summary. You know your place. You know what your swim lane is and what you're supposed to be doing. Get God's thoughts and then have the discipline to apply them and to persevere with it. We have to apply and persevere with what God's telling us. He will keep speaking. It's that, that there's a lie which says if you're not acting on God's last word to you, he's not going to tell you something else. He will. He'll just tell you to do the same thing. So don't buy into the lie. He will keep speaking if you don't act. But if you don't act on wisdom and you don't put it into practice, it's worth nothing. Like me. This was fantastic hindsight to have and to go back and say, wow, Jesus, you told me this. I went for it. I experienced it. Your word is true and awesome and your wisdom is accurate. Fantastic. It's actually nice to preach from that because then you can say, hey, I'm not just making this all up. It actually really happens like it comes out. But unless you act on it and you're disciplined, it's worth nothing. The action is your choice. The discipline's a fruit of the Spirit. Every single one of us can be super disciplined. I learned this through exercise. How many of you remember me from 10 years ago? I weighed 112 kilograms. Okay, wasn't muscle. Um... <laughs> I overate, and I never exercised. Now, I run Saturdays and Sundays, and I'm at the gym Monday to Friday for an hour to an hour and a half. Discipline. I was not a disciplined person, and now I am a disciplined person. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is discipline. He will help you be disciplined. So if you feel like you are too weak a variable in the equation for success to take place for your life. I have good news. You don't do it alone. You make the choice on what you want to act. He brings everything you need to the party. Amen. Well done. Well done.